Well, if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 19 and its implications for us this morning. Father, we look to you and we ask for your guidance, for your direction, for your grace this morning. Please, O Lord, minister to us. Minister through your word and work through it to melt our hearts, to reform us and to change us, to make us like Christ, to convict us of sin, to teach us, to instruct us, to have your way with us that we would become more like Jesus because of this. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning's topic is very interesting because it has so many cultural components to it and ramifications and curious questions. And it comes from the passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And if you look there, starting at verse 19, it says that being filled with the Spirit, at the end of verse 19, being filled with the Spirit, we are to be doing what? It says in verse 20, we're to be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then... Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, you don't have to turn there, it says something very similar. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, from those particular passages, there's all kinds of interesting stuff, all kinds of interesting questions to ask. Especially when it comes to understanding, you know, right off the get-go, you might wonder, well, what does this mean, actually? What does it mean to be singing to one another uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Many people have tried to, to try to figure that out. Like, what, what is that talking about? What does it mean to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? And so that, that's the question I guess we ask, is what should we sing? First of all, if we're going to sing to one another, what should we be singing? Some actually have argued that this expression, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, is basically referring to the actual book of psalms. It's how it's divided up. Others argue that this is referring to three distinct kinds of music. The book of psalms, hymns that the church made up and passed down to other churches, and then spiritual songs that overflowed from a particular person, into song from their hearts. And with this particular argument, they say Paul stated it like this to prove he wasn't concerned that the songs only come from the Psalter, but rather that the songs be sung that exalt Christ and his word. But in regard to those who, who believe that this, this is referring to exclusive psalmody, they believe that God has given the church his songbook. So if you're asking, wait, where's, where's the church's songbook? They would say, well, open your Bibles, and the Bible actually has a big songbook in the middle of it, and that songbook is called Psalms, which means praises, right? So the Psalms, the book of praises, is in the middle of your Bible, and they would argue that this is where we should sing from. And they argue that the reason he, he, he phrased it this way is that this is how you classify the Psalms, because within the Psalms you have Psalms, technical Psalms, and then you have those that be, could be classified as hymns, and then you have those that could be classified as spiritual songs. But they also, those who argue that, tend to be pretty uptight, pretty stuffy, 
pretty, they get, and they really like, I tell you what they like, they like Leviticus 10. And if you're familiar with Leviticus 10, it's the story of Nadab and Abihu. And what did they do? Well, they offered strange fire to the Lord. What's strange fire? Strange fire to the Lord. And as a result of the strange fire, God struck them dead. Wow. Strange fire and God struck them dead. And so if you're likening, you start to, you see, this is what they, oh, they say. You see what happens when you mess around? You see what happens when you don't do what God's told you to do? If God has told us, God has clearly told us in the scriptures that we're, we're to sing and we're to sing the Psalms. Well, I think it's pushing it. Because I think to apply a Leviticus 10 in this direction is to miss the point, actually. Because it makes God out to be some hair-triggered freak who just can't wait to zap somebody. And that's not what was going on at all. Nadab and Abihu were high-handedly going against a very clear and explicit direction that they had just been given. They were told with explicit directions what the fire was supposed to be like that they had in their censers that they were to bring in there. And they had Dab and Abihu says, who cares what he says? I don't want to offer that fire. Let's, I'm going I'm I'm to grab some twigs and stick them in here if I want. And they, they put whatever it was. We don't know exactly what it was. But it, like, by strange, it was like, hey, wait a second. I don't recognize this at all. This has nothing to do with what I told you to do. So they offer this strange fire. It was weird fire. It was bizarre fire because it was completely their own thing. God had clearly told them. They're like, who cares? God said, so? I don't like that. I'm going to make my own stuff and go in there. That's what you have going on here is high-handed rebellion after just being told. And so God does strike them dead, and it's a pretty scary experience. But to take that now and then apply it and and use verses like this to, like, see what happens if you... If you go and, and, and worship, do your own thing, and you don't, you don't obey the, the scriptures, and the scriptures have told us to, to sing the psalms, and we say, oh, really? Where? And, then they, and, I, and I really think it's a tendency to force the text because it's really not going there. It's not the point. Especially, think about this for a moment. Jesus said in John four twenty three that the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Clearly, Jesus states that the Father is seeking a particular kind of worship. And here was Jesus' chance to say, the Father is seeking those who would sing the Psalms and the Psalms only. He doesn't mention that at all. The Father isn't, the, the Father's concern, he says, the Father's, he's seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. And so he's concerned that that's what happens. And, and, and because if we know Israel's history at all, what are they famous for? Checking boxes and making sure they get everything just tidy right, but their hearts are far from God. Far from God. And that was the big condemnation with Israel. Is that Israel continually drifted away in heart, but performed everything with their mouths. And a lot of times they were getting it just right and say, hey, we're, guilt, we're guiltless. We've done just what you said. Their hearts were far from him. But here's the other interesting thing. Because if you think of this for a moment, if you, if you go back and if you ever in the Psalms read about the name of Jesus, no, you'll get all kinds of allusions. You'll get all kinds of uh, 
messianic psalms, all kinds of things that speak toward him. But it's very implicit. It's not explicit. It's the kind of thing where you have to start to see it unfold and and then you make the connections and you realize that, oh, this is referring to Jesus because oftentimes in the New Testament, Jesus, he makes the connections and helps you out. The apostles help us out and they help us to, to figure out and understand. And now, so if we're going to sing the Psalms and the Psalms only, what does it leave out? It leaves out all this understanding that we have about Jesus. You couldn't actually sing his name. His name is, you couldn't, the name Jesus isn't explicitly mentioned, and, and that just gets weird, doesn't it? Not only that, in the text in Colossians, it says that we're to have the, the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So if the words of Christ are to dwell in us richly, then it clearly has to go beyond the Psalms. It has to go, it's, it clearly, you know, sing, sing about Christ and to sing about him and who he is and what he's done. That's glorious. That's beautiful. That's delightful. And that is the point. Clearly, God doesn't mind that we pray and that we sing praises to him that aren't the exact phrases of the Psalms or even the exact phrases of the scriptures for that matter. What, what, he, what is he concerned about? That we proclaim and declare the truth. The truth of who he is. And we declare his praises according to truth. Of course, we don't go making up things that declare things about God that aren't true. That would be wrong, right? But the point of what, what's he getting at here that we sing? What, are we, what should we sing? That's why he say, I really believe he's saying psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Basically, all the stuff that we have... It doesn't really matter. He could go on and on. He's listening to say, and, and the big part here, the big point is if you look at the text, is really not just what we should sing. He's, I think he's opening it up and saying it's, it needs to be according to the truth. But the big point is how we should sing. I think what we should sing, the truth of scriptures, as it's revealed in the scriptures. We should sing about Jesus. We should delight in him because God delights in the praise of his people. But that is the question, isn't it? Now, now, if you really get to the heart of this, the question is, how should we sing? The text in Ephesians says that you are to be making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians just says that you're to do so with thankfulness in your heart to the Lord. It's a little simpler. So according to Ephesians, the melody of the song is to come from your heart. This is basically saying that your heart begins to sing before your lips do. Your heart is supposed to create a melody. And how does, where does this melody come from? Well, it comes from thankfulness. Being thankful is what the text says. It also means that we shouldn't wait until melodies are typically played. Melodies are, like often the melodies are led by the guitar or the the piano, and we often wait till a melody is led. He's saying, no, let the melody burst out in your heart and then begin to sing to one another. The big part is that in the question of how are we to sing, it's like this, to be thankful. How many of you ever met, have you ever come across someone, seen someone, met someone who whistles while they work? And it just seems like they're skipping along. Like, what planet does that guy live on? He's like, he's, he's uh, 
he's just full of joy. He's just whistling and, and he's singing along and delighting in his work. And it's always, when someone's like that, you can tell it's obviously clearly there must be a melody in their heart. They must be joyful. They must be thankful. Because what do we do when we're joyful? We typically like to sing. Singing is kind of a, you, you watch someone who gets excited and is joyful and one of the things they like to do, if they can't sing, especially today, it's more common today, we put music on because we like the help of the background. It's always better when the, someone else who knows how to sing is singing and we can just sing along out of tune and key and, and do our thing. But you really, you never see a person that is thankful, that their heart is full of thanks. And a melody is bursting out in their hearts that they don't, usually don't end up singing. Singing is a kind of a, God has built us that way. It's like it's not even come to, to full expression until we've sung about it. And this is how songs are created. Especially good songs. From, usually from a bursting heart. The melody's in there and it's full and they just got to express it. It comes out of their hearts with this emotion. And then you want to write a song. The heart is filled, when the heart is filled with the affections of love, for example, you get the Song of Solomon. It's a song. Solomon wrote it. Well, if you ever read, read that, he was pretty uh, jazzed up. He was pretty, um, he was excited. It was like, you could tell, like his, his, his heart had a ready theme. It was his love. And it was this love affair between the two of them. And, and, and why is that? We have to ask the question, why is that? Why are we built like this? Because God made us. And God made us so that, you know, the full expression of joy and of praise is a song. It's to, it's to sing a melody. So when thankfulness fills the heart, you, you're not satisfied just to contain yourself. At some point, if, you know, if you're excited, you have to do something. Maybe let out a shout. Maybe dance around. But dancing is no fun unless you have music, right? You like to have, and the best thing is to sing. It's like this wonderful release. However, we kind of have a little bit of a problem today in this regard. Because in America, we possess more than any other country in the world. We, there's just so much stuff we have. Yet our hearts are probably more burdened and stuffed full of cares and the concerns of this world than any other place on the planet. We have responsibilities we have all kinds of cares. We have all kinds of current concerns. We have weighty issues that weigh on us continually. So our hearts are filled with a bunch of worry and grumbling and complaining often. And why is it like this? We're too busy. We run around. We don't ever take the time or have the time to fix our attention on the right things. We're too busy running from one thing to the next. So we focus. What do we end up focusing on? We've never taken the time to really be thankful, to really look at what we have. We're too busy running to the next thing. And so we focus. We end up focusing on the negative things that are hindering in, us, in, our, in our lives. We look at the lack of sleep, the tepid coffee, the noisy birds in the morning that are waking me up, the crying kids, that small breakfast that I had to gobble down, the lack of love from the family, the jerk who cut me off, the customer who complained, the work with all of its frustrations, the overtime that we, I didn't want anyways. And that lousy neighbor who put another notice on our door about their dog. It's so easy to focus on all this stuff. That's, a, that's just an average day. We could look at a bad day. <laughs> it, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yet it doesn't have to be like this. It really doesn't. We could focus on the, the gifts that have been given to us. The gift of last night's sleep. As short as it was, think about it. You wanted more of it, didn't you? Why? Because it's good. It was still good. That 10 minutes was great. <laughs> We're given the glories of a new morning. It's a new day. Brand new morning. The beautiful songbirds. Listen to their song. They did wake you up. There are a lot of them. Boy, it was nice. Just take it in. Beautiful songbirds. Hey, you had some coffee. Got you going, didn't it? Might be a little tepid, but you had coffee and you had some cream in it, maybe a little sugar. Boy, you had a real delight right there. You're given eggs and toast, a ripe kiwi, fresh air, green trees, a family paying work, a vehicle, a home, friends, and delightful treats all around you. But wait a second. I didn't notice that. And on top of that, just think about it. You didn't deserve one of them. You did nothing to deserve it. In fact, if it was going to get into deserving stuff, you, you did take away all the good. If you think of what we deserve, we, we don't deserve it. We're ungrateful. We're unthankful. We're grumbling. We're complaining. Right? And so often people get caught up in all the stuff in their lives. Yet there's our lives, we often go from one blessing to the next. And what do we do? We take it for granted, don't we? Take it for granted. Why? Well, I had it yesterday, and I had it today, and I had it the day before, and so it's just common now. And so what we tend to do is focus on what we don't have or what we didn't get. And then... Do you think thankfulness is going to creep in your heart at all like that? No, it's not. You know, I, I personally have to carve out time, have to. I have to commit time to being with God, to being in his word, to be communicating with him prayerfully. I have to, sometimes, I have to go on walks and smell the air and slow down and look. Slow down and take it in. And be thankful. And start giving thanks. Giving thanks for all that you have in your life. Because if we don't take time to slow down and look at what we have. You know, when, when you do enjoy something, did you enjoy that first sip of coffee in the morning? That's a perfect time. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you. What a gift. Think of any time you've enjoyed, had, had a little delight or anything. Thank you, Lord. What a gift. Thank you, Lord. What a gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, and I'll tell you what. If I do not take time to do this, if I do not carve out time to meditate on the things that the Lord has given to me, to enjoy what's in my hand, and to contemplate the blessings, I quickly shrivel up and become very unthankful. And then you know what? No melody fills my heart. I'm not ready to sing at all. <laughs> not prepared to sing. In fact, it, it kind of comes as a startle. I'm just not really here. I'm just not really engaged. I'm just not even ready. Has that ever happened to you coming here this morning? You see, it's like, I'm just, 
you're just disjointed, you're not really even ready to enter in, and you're kind of, your, your mouth's moving, but everything else, you still got the day running around. You, can, you, can, you feel like there's a little disjointedness happening because you're just not here, you're somewhere else, and you're, you're trying to be engaged, but you're not really. If you've experienced that, what you're experiencing is just a, just a heart unprepared to worship because there's just, you haven't had the time, taken the time, to, to begin to be thankful for all that you have. And I'll guarantee you, I will guarantee you that if you cultivate habits in your life of giving thanks for things and looking for God's blessings and, and going throughout the day thanking him, having, taking time to slow down, and as they say, the expression goes, right? Slow down and smell the coffee. No, roses. Smell the roses. Smell what's, it's like stop, because if you've ever taken the time, you pass by the rose all the time, you take the time, you go, oh, wow, that's amazing. But you pass by that rose how many times in a day and never took the time to stop and smell it. And just think, you know, God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to bless us. That He put that smell in that rose. Why? Because he's good. Because he's good. So I tell you this. Ask the question, how should we sing with thankfulness in our hearts and a melody, ready melody on our lips to praise the Lord? But here's something. You know, even if we get this thankfulness thing figured out, it's going to make a big difference, but we have to get something else figured out. We need to shake a little bit of dust off our souls. We need, to, we need to change some of our habits and our patterns. We need to stop putting such feeble efforts into our praise. Psalm 111 says, I will give thanks to the Lord, now listen to this, with my whole heart. In the, and, and he tells us where? Know where I'm going to do this? In the company of the upright in the congregation. I'm going to give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the congregation. Psalm 86, 12 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Boy, his heart must have been filled with thankfulness. But David really wasn't ashamed to express it, was he? Psalm 109, 30 says, With my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord. And in the midst of many, hear that? In the midst of many, I will praise him. You know, there are several others. I could just read psalm after psalm where it's this expression of giving thanks with my whole heart. Oodles. Shout to the Lord. Shout? You ever shouted? I mean, it's like, you don't go to church and shout, do you? No, we typically, we go, we listen to the band. Today, in most churches in America, it's common. If you, just, you should go visit churches, and you look around, and most people stand there, and they're singing. The guy, people up front are singing, everyone's just listening. Nothing's moving. Or, okay, sometimes the lips are moving. And you could be two inches away, and you're like, Did I, am I hearing anything? Boy, that's some abundant praise there. That's the whole heart. (laughs) 
that, that, that's, that is actually getting more and more common. And, you know, you hear people, bloggers and those who write articles, and a lot of people are talking about how what's happening in churches is because the band gets louder and louder and louder. They get better and better and better, more professional, more professional, more professional, and the, and the people in the congregation just become more and more silent. And in, in some cases, it might, be, it might be that, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to listen to, and so it's like doing one of these or whatever. You know? But that's about the, the, the extent of the involvement. I think it's perilous what's happening because the singers, the ones, the praisers, the worshipers are going quiet. And we're called, I mean, how how should we sing to the Lord? With thankfulness in our hearts and a melody in our lips. With all of our hearts, as the psalmist said. Praise Him and thank Him with everything that is in you. And I can only tell you what I found singing to the Lord. The more I pour out, the more He pours in. And it's a strange thing. It really is. You try to outdo it. You give, you give more of your being in praise, and He fills more of your being with joy. Have you ever been where you're worshiping the Lord with your whole heart, and at that moment you feel like, this is what I was created to be and do? It's the strangest thing. Why worshiping God and praising Him with my whole heart do I find at that moment that I'm, I'm doing the very thing I was created for? Purpose and meaning and fulfillment fills my soul. I find that kind of strange in some cases because you would think that there would be doing in, in other things that would be the, the, the thing that would really just fill your soul up. But yet it's in the praise of God that we fill up. You know, I think most people do not realize the blessings they're missing out on. It's not like you should, hey people, you really, you guys got to start singing with all your heart and I can come down on you all I want. But you know what? It's really, it's you who's missing out. Because we don't praise God because he's just some gluttonous being in the sky who says, come on, give it to me. I like it when you praise me. It's good. No, no, it's, no, it's not like that at all. The thing is, is God, God is a triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I've talked, I've talked about this a lot. And we need to think and, and understand that the Father, you know what the Father desperately wants more than anything? The praise and the glory of Jesus and the Spirit. Do you know what Jesus wants more than anything? The praise and the glorification of the Father and the Spirit. Do you know what the Spirit wants more than anything? The praise and the glorification of the Father and the Son. So all three just can't get enough. And then when when God's people are praising, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are just delighted. When, when, When we lift up the name of Jesus, when we lift up the name of the Father, when we lift up the Spirit, the Godhead goes crazy. You've got to get your head around this. This is not some monolithic God in the sky who loves the praises of His people. God is incredibly humble. You just look at Jesus. He's humble and he's meek and he's lowly. I could almost see Jesus when he's being praised, lowering his head. 
but the Father and the Spirit just going crazy. And likewise. So, you know, you understand, what, what are we praising Him for? It's because each member of the Trinity just can't get enough of it and can't stop blessing the people when they're doing it. And that, that idea really has to get in our, in our minds. We have to understand it. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, it seems kind of weird. It seems kind of, you know, like he's some power-hungry, worship-hungry, uh, just give me praise all the time kind of a God. That seems strange to me. It seems kind of like arrogant, proud, you know, like self-centered. If you have a, a Unitarian idea of God, well, then it, it, it is, actually. It is. It's got to be Trinitarian. You've got to see why God delights in the praise of God because God is three in one. And they understand it, and that's quite amazing. And then we, you can get your heart all the way into it because it's even more glorious now. It's more amazing. I want you to think for a moment. What would it be like? What would it be like if we here, just this, we don't have many people here this morning. It's kind of sparse. Thank you for the guests because you filled up it was like what it felt like, <laughs> 10 of us. If we sang, it doesn't take many, and we sang with all of our hearts, with thankfulness and joy, and it was exuberant, and we put everything into it. Do you think it would be a little different? You better believe it would be a little different. It would be so different. But the problem is we, we mutter, we mumble, we're half-hearted creatures who have hearts that are clearly not filled with thanksgiving, but actually probably there's all kinds of grumbling and complaining and, and distraction and things fo- focused on things way outside of the worship of God. It's like, uh, okay, let, let's, let's, what are we doing right now? Okay, let's, let's give this a shot. But I'll tell you what, just... just have you ever been a part of a really festive occasion? Think of the best wedding you've ever been to. What do you have at a real joy-filled festive occasion like a wedding? Singing and dancing. And they always have to, today you have to provide, it's usually canned music. Some DJ's up there working the music. And if it's good music and he's doing a good job, he has everybody dancing and everybody, especially the songs you know, what does everybody do? They sing along, right? And they sing along and they're getting into it. They're just having a good old time. And, and they're, that's what we call they're partying. Because it has everything, everything about it is festive and joyful and, and, and they're delighting in it. Same thing, whenever you see people who are really into something, are really getting into it, it typically is accompanied by song. Go to the Seahawks game. Watch a soccer game from Europe. And ha- most, of the, most of the time during the game, whenever they get a chance, they crank up the tunes and everybody's singing because they're all into this. This is a festive occasion. We're having a good old time. When you're having a good old time and it's a festive occasion, the thing you think of doing, we need music and we need some, we need some atmosphere. We need to get this going and we need to be joyful and we're going to have a fun old time. And if we're going to have a joyful, fun old time, it's going to be filled with music and it's going to be filled with a lot of singing, and it's, just, it's going to ha- have that vibe, because that's what music does. It creates that celebratory setting. And of course, music also, it expresses all the emotions of life. We sing at funerals, and we should. 
you should sing when you're depressed. You should sing when you are in the middle. You should sing when you're elated. Because if you ever go read the Psalms, it shows you it's got everything in there, doesn't it? It's got mountaintop highs and desert bottom lows and everything in between. And this was all sung. So how should we sing? What does the text say? With thankfulness in our hearts and a melody on our lips, with exuberant praise to the Lord our God. That's how we should sing. With our whole hearts. Let me challenge you with one thing before I move on and finish this. If you are accustomed to mouth words or not sing, it's not very likely that you're probably going to hear this and then you're going to start shouting and really start going for it. I, don't, I doubt it. I doubt most people will change that way. But would you please make a commitment? Say, you know what? I am going to grow, and I'm going to get to the point where I worship the Lord and praise Him with my whole heart. And I'm going to take the next year Little baby steps all next year. And by this time next year, you come watch me next year, June next year, and you're going to see a different kind of worship. You're going to see someone who's singing with all of their heart, who just puts everything into it. But, Dean, it's, it's like noise. It's bad. That's why God said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Commit to it. That's, the, that's what you need to do. You need to see that, oh, it's that. If you see it out here and you're here, you'll say, I'll never be there. I'll never do that. So why, why bother? Yeah, you can be there. Just take little steps all the time. Sing with more exuberance. Put more into it. Prepare your heart more often. And please carve out time during the day where you can slow down and cultivate thankfulness in your hearts so that it begins to express itself in that kind of exuberant praise. I also just want to quickly look at how us think about when we should sing. Or another way of putting it is, how often should we do this? You know, both in Ephesians and Colossians, it doesn't explicitly say that when we should do it or how often we should do it. But it, it does say in Colossians that we're to do it so that the word of Christ would dwell in us ritually. And it uses this as the method. It certainly isn't going to d- dwell in us richly if we don't do it very often. It would make sense that they would do it every time they got together. And you know why? Because in that age, in that time, do you realize they don't have a Bible? Everybody here, I mean, I've got probably, I don't know how many, a lot of these at home. Back in their day, guess how many they had at home? Oops. Zero. They had zero. No Bibles at all. So how would the Word of God get into them? This is how. Do you have, I don't know. You probably know this yourself. Isn't it interesting how quickly and how well you memorize through singing? Unless you're like me. You memorize the chorus and the first half of the first verse and just repeat it. But, but music has a tendency to stick. For some people, it, it's just, boy, they sing and bam, it's there. They could sing it anywhere. And they have the word of God dwelling in their hearts. And so the main way that they were to remember and they were to carry around the truth and pass it on to one another and speak the truth was through this singing. And I can guarantee you that in that day, especially, okay, if they're thankful, they're joy-filled, they sing with all their hearts, 
that praise the Lord with everything in them, and they, and they really want the truth to dwell in them, they're going to probably do it every time they get together. That's probably how often they're doing it. After all, why not? <laughs> you know, it's probably a matter of, okay, if it is joy-filled, and it's with all your heart, and it's, it's the praises of God, and it's, it's, it's great, you probably want to do it. It's not a question of, uh, you know, how much do I have to do it? It's more of a, a matter of, well, how, how often can I do it because I want to do it? How often can we do it all the time? But I tell you what, the degree to which there's thank, not much thankfulness, not much joy, not much heartfelt praise, and it stinks, is, is it, we don't really want to do it. And today, I think a lot of reason why we get together and no one thinks to like, hey, how about we sing together? It's not like, well, who's going to start? And that, that's scary business. Uh, if, we, if we start, we're probably going to start off key. It's going to be ugly. And so we, we avoid sometimes something that might turn into an awkward event. We don't like, especially if you're going against tradition. You don't have a tradition of getting together and singing. Do you think it feels really fun to be the first one to start? No, that kind of feels awkward. Hey, how about we sing? Okay. Who's going to start? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody wants to start. So we have a lack of singing ability, for one, and it really creates an awkwardness and a difficulty. So let's not even bother. Let's not bring that up. And the other thing is, today, we don't do a lot of singing um, that's vocally led. Most of us do most of our singing through mediums, like if there's not a band, or if you don't turn on the radio, or if you don't put on... You know something on the system. We don't do much singing, do we? It's just kind of so we have a cultural issue, where it's like we need somebody professional to lead the way, and that's just kind of the way we do it. Put some music on, and perhaps we can sing to it. Well, if that's what it takes, do it. Put some music on and sing to it. Let's sing, and you put some music on. We actually we've done that before, because it, you know. It helps when somebody knows what they're doing and it isn't all over the place. But regardless, you know, it was Chesterton who said, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Because it's worth doing. <laughs> and if it's worth doing, even if you're doing poorly, it's, it's, guess what? It's worth doing. And so I think I would love it if we became a church that could grow in this whole area and we could love one another and minister to one another and, and out of thankfulness in our hearts and joy on our lips, we, when we get together, as often as we get together, we would want to sing together to one another and bless one another and become a people who know how to praise the Lord, know how to sing His praises and delight in Him and rejoice together. Can you imagine the bonds of affection and the love and the joy and the festivity that would be cultivated in all of our gatherings. But we've got a lot to learn, I know. We've got a lot to grow in. But may the Lord be merciful to us and we become the kind of people who love one another this way and, and know the importance of joyful, exuberant praise to the Lord because he's worthy. Because he's worthy. But you will not say amen to that until you first have cultivated thankfulness and joy right here. You can't have it dead and cold in here and have it lively and, and vibrant here. 
Learn to be thankful people. Cultivate thankfulness in your life. And learn to express that through joyful praise. Not just by yourself, but with one another. Amen. Father, we're grateful. We're thankful. We praise you for all that you've done for us. Lord Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you, we know, you delight in the praise of the other members of the Godhead. It's, it's the most delightful, precious thing to you. And oh, that we would be thankful people. Oh Lord, help us. Make us joyful, thankful people for all the blessings we have and that we would learn to sing your praises and that we would do so with all our hearts. That we would rejoice and give thanks. And we would do so as often as we get together. For we ask it in Christ. Amen.